0: Oh
1: Hey, Andre. Back just a little bit.
0: Yeah, okay, that's good. Now, what about this? And just to see.
1: Then, no, I'll do with this. Miss Bill, you want to try that one? No, I'm all right.
2: Hey, guys.
0: Can you hear me? I can't hear you. I can't hear you.
2: Still don't hear anything.
1: No, you're not muted. I'm on that Zoom. Let's see. Let me check this sound thing. Yeah, the sounds are the same as system. That's what I always use. Okay, I think that did so. Uh, I can hear you now. Yeah, I switched my speaker to real tech. There's some folks on the prayer line. Do y'all have that hooked up? Oh.
0: Okay. I'm telling them.
1: So if they call the Zoom line on their phone, it'll come through the Zoom system. Okay, good. Okay, that's great. There's a lot going on in this world of technology. Hey, what was it that caught on fire on y'all's house today? Oh, you were cooking and stuff caught on fire. Oh, and stuff next to the stove got it, huh? Oh, okay. That makes sense. I was about to say how to catch on fire that was in. Okay. Right. Can you tell guys on the uh, phone line yet? Will that, will that show up oh, yeah. on here? If anybody, if anyone's called in on the Zoom phone line, uh, just say, hey, "Man, let us know that you're on." Yeah, I texted him back and said to get on the Zoom line. Yeah, so far it's just us two. Oh, Lakita's on. Yeah, Lakita's getting dialed in, I think, on the Zoom line. That was a good message this morning. Bernard gonna get it for suggesting people come to top. <laughs> you talking about if you ever there in St. Louis come to Tabernacle pray. Now the other church is gonna be mad. How's the rest of your family doing? Uh the zoom line is for discipleship class. Lakita's getting the, trying to get on the Zoom line.
0: He's hiding here, too. It's
1: just us, too, there. We just talk.
0: No, I not want to just be preaching the Karen. I
1: mean, it's just us all here now, right? Okay. I mean, I thought they would show up on the participant list. Anyway, sorry about up everybody, just trying to together so we'll go ahead uh we're reading in uh from the book last day events by ellen white and we're on chapter nine where it talks about the sunday laws being enacted so before we get started we'll go ahead and have a word of prayer dear father we thank you for your blessed word we thank you for giving your word to your prophets and sharing it with us we ask and pray that your holy spirit will lead and guide us into all truth Continue to bless us with a desire to walk closer with you through study, through prayer, and through worship and witnessing. In Jesus' blessed name, amen. It seems uh, very appropriate now that we're talking about Sunday laws, because as we all know who have studied anything about prophecy, and especially about the, beast, the mark of the beast, the false prophet, etc. cetera, That now the end of time is coming because as we're reading the last day events, we're in the last days of Earth's history. And one of the prophecies that has been given us through the Lord's servant is that Sunday law in action. And Sunday law, as it says, is Satan, God's authority. One thing we have to recognize as a spiritual people is that this is a battle between spiritual entities, between God and Satan. It's not just earthly, but there is a war that was fought in heaven, and now the war is taking place on earth. So everything that happens in this world where Satan is constantly challenging God's authority, he wanted God's authority in heaven. When he was kicked out, he's still trying to get God's authority. So I challenge you to pay attention to everything that you see occurring in this world, worldwide events, worldwide pandemics, worldwide crises, worldwide trouble, look at it in an overall cosmic view because this is a cosmic conflict, not just earthly. So when you read about wars, hear about wars, think about how is Satan challenging God's authority through these events and through these people who arise speaking words against the most high. It's not just us involved, spiritual warfare. So we have the privilege of living and earthly life, as well as being influenced by spiritual beings as well. So keep that in mind whenever you look at an event that's occurring on earth, how things are working out and what's going on. Now, let me ask if our viewers, are you all looking at my picture on the screen? Paul, do you see my picture up? Okay. Okay, Paul, can you see me? OK,
3: yeah, I can see you.
1: OK, good. So we're on Chapter 9, Sunday Laws. And one of the things that points out in the first paragraph, is says the man of sin, exalting himself above God, sitting in the temple of God and showing himself to be God, thought to change times and laws. Did you notice the word thought? Thought to change times and laws. Why is that significant? Okay. Anyone else? Why is the word "thought" important?
3: I believe that the uh, the enemy, the author behind the whole theology, put that in his mind uh, to try and thwart God's word.
1: Okay, and it's very true. He might think he changed it, but has he really changed God's law? No, not no, no. And when people say God's law has been changed, have they changed God's law? No, no. they think they have, but God's law is written in heaven with His own finger, so it's not changed. It still is, and it will never change. The Bible says, "Not one dot of the T, or dot of the I, or crossing of the T shall change in God's law." before heaven and earth shall fall away. So he thought to change times and laws. And you know that the Sabbath is a, it's an object of special attack for Satan. Why do you think God wrote this fourth commandment with the word remember? Why would he have to say that? Anybody can answer.
3: Because he knew in the last days, men would forget. And that's why he put a special emphasis because he knew that man would think to change times and laws. So God had to put special emphasis as the memorial of his creation. Remember this one.
1: Okay, good. It's also Satan's plan to get rid of that day, to get rid of the sanctity of the Sabbath, the one that was sanctified by God and blessed by God. He wants to change that in our uh, minds so that it doesn't mean what it should mean, so that uh, it cannot be a sign between God and his people. And he even says, I will lead those who accept this day to place upon it the sanctity that God placed upon the seventh day, trying to make people truly reverence the first day of the week. And have you noticed that in your own life? Do people around you seem to truly reverence the first day of the week Sunday?
3: Some, I know a guy that's a a devout Catholic and he goes to mass every day and he's really devout uh, in his devotion to Sunday worship and all that entails. But I noticed that uh, for the mass majority of Sunday worshipers, they don't keep the first day with the sanctity from the sundown Friday to sundown Saturday like we keep the sacred hours of the Sabbath.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: After
3: they come from church and they just treat it as a regular day,
1: right? But if you try and point to people that that's not the true day of worship, they'll get so angry at you, they'll be wanting to hurt you because Mm -hmm. they've actually transferred the sanctity in their minds from the seventh day to the first day, which is why so many people refuse to even study about the day of worship, they don't (laughs) want to hear that there's a difference in their minds. Sunday is the true holy day. And so it makes, that's exactly what Satan wanted to do was get that in people's mind because by doing so, again, he's truly attacking Christ, right? Mm -hmm. There's a great point. We're on page 124 in the paperback book. And it says, in the warfare to be waged in the last days, there will be united in opposition to God's people All the corrupt powers that have apostatized to the law of Jehovah says in this warfare, the Sabbath of the fourth commandment will be the great point at issue for in the Sabbath commandment. The great lawgiver identifies himself. What do you think he identifies himself as? What did God identify himself as in the fourth commandment? Creator. Exactly. Creator of heaven and earth. And again, that's why Satan's making it an area of personal severe attack, because if he can get us to forget or not acknowledge that God is the creator, then we'll forget about God altogether, and we won't even think about him. So we have to remember that. Be careful, because the Sabbath is very important. Sometimes we think, oh, it's just something that we do, but it is very, very important, and we have to remember that. Okay. Now, also look at uh, the fourth commandment. It says, uh, Exodus 31 13 says, Verily my Sabbath you shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you that you may know that I am the Lord that does sanctify you. It's a connection that we have to the true Creator. So if this is my sign that I'm a worshiper of the true Creator of heaven and earth, if that gets taken away, where is my identity now? Oh. If I lose my connection to God, who have I just aligned myself with?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Satan. Mm-hmm.
1: Exactly. So we're either on God's side or we are on the Lord's side. How long do you think the Sabbath law been uh, in action? How long? How far back do you think people were working on Sunday laws rather? think like the, uh, back when uh, Moses was around, where they were. No. no, not that far no. back. Back in the 1880s, uh-huh. they were looking at making Sunday the day of worship. Now, I don't know which town everyone is from. There may be some people here from other countries, but here in St. Louis, Sunday laws are on the books, as they are in many other areas, many different cities and states. However, they're just not being enforced. Why do you think that's so? Anyone may answer, on, on the phones or on the Zoom. Why aren't these laws being enforced?
0: No legislation.
1: Well, because the time has not been, been
3: totally fulfilled yet for, for the operation to be set forth. Everything is lined up, but it's just a matter of them uh, enforcing. It's, the legislation is already on the books. But I I believe that there is a time, because that's the last act of the drama, when the state uh, joins hands with the the church and enforces its dogmas. So that's the last act of the drama. So I believe by God's grace, he's trying to give us time to spread this last warning message.
1: Hmm. You bring up a good point, because in fact... Right now, the Lord is holding back the four winds of strife. The four angels are holding back the winds of strife so that the wind should not blow on the earth, the sea, or any other tree. So what should we be doing at this time, knowing that Sunday laws are going to be enacted? What should we as Christians, as believers in God's fourth commandment, what should we be doing? Spreading the word.
0: Should
1: we be sitting around? I (laughs) don't know. Spreading
3: spreading the last warning message with urgency.
1: Exactly. Telling people. Mm -hmm. Right. Telling people about God's fourth commandment. And also, we want to be praying for God to continue to hold the winds back while we do his work. Not just so we can stay comfortable and uh, enjoy life peacefully, but so that we can have opportunity to be out and about spreading the gospel message. The more opportunity we have to share this message, the more people possibly could be saved, right?
3: That's right.
1: We know that God is not slack concerning his promise to return, but he wants as many people as possible to be saved in his kingdom. Now, what was it that Jesus said when he was being crucified on the cross? What was those seven words that he said about the people?
3: Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. So do you realize that there are many Sunday keepers who are in the same situation? That they don't truly understand what they're doing. They don't truly understand why it makes a difference. And when the Sunday laws are enacted, they won't truly understand what the end result of those laws will be either. So we have to keep in mind that we have to stay prayerful. And we- up against opposition, when we run up against people protesting against us, when we run up against people trying to harm us for keeping God's fourth commandment, there are many people in those groups who just really don't have a clue what they're doing. Have you heard of the mob mentality? Where Mm -hmm. it's just a group of people going one direction so other people just follow right along with the crowd mentality. So there's a lot of people like that that will be involved in making, enacting Sunday legislation, as well as persecuting those who are keeping God's fourth commandment. But what they don't realize is that what they're doing is plunging right back in to the Roman horrors of the dark ages. If there's any history buffs out there, can you name something that occurred during the Roman dark age period? Anyone, what were they doing to Christians during the dark ages? Killing them. Inquisitions.
0: mm mm-hmm. uh, Bibles.
3: Yeah. Yeah. They were trying Satan
1: was trying to use the church to stamp out the light of truth. Exactly. And the people who will be enacting these Sunday laws, that's exactly where it goes right back to. Sometimes, you know, as humans, we think we know it all. But one thing we can't do is see the end from the beginning. We have no clue what the end of of the life is going to be. We'll we'll start it in action. And what we do, what we see, we can understand, but we don't know where it's going to lead down the road. So when the Sunday laws are enacted, it's going right back to persecution. First, there'll be fines. Then there'll be imprisonment. Then there'll be death. And all along the time, people will still be saying, we're doing God's work, we're doing God's will, we're getting rid of these Sabbath keepers who are causing all the problems. But what they don't see is that they're striking directly against religious liberty.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: America's supposed to be land of the free and home of the brave, right? Mm-hmm. The country was founded on religious freedom. So if the country's founded on religious freedom. Why is it that people are going to be trying to take religious freedom from the citizens?
3: Well, a lot of our freedoms have been, uh, being taken away from nine 11 with the Patriot act. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, so with every national disaster, uh, they were saying now with the COVID 19, they're saying that, um, where they're enacting martial law, even though they're not calling it that, we're voluntarily uh, sheltering in place. But in some, they had a church last week, they were showing uh, that they sent the National Guard on a church who was assembling. Mm -hmm. And so that's just a precursor to what's happening. And like you said, when you have uh, the church people, these Sabbath keepers, They're going to seem to be enemies of the state because they're not going to fall in line with these laws that's going against worshiping God
1: under the dictates of your own heart. Exactly. It's a uh, kind of a sneaky way to sneak into it. So if we say, oh, because of the virus, we're going to have to make you all not worship on Saturday, close the church down. Then when the virus is gone, it's very easy to say, well, the church has been closed on Saturday all this time. Y'all might as well stay closed. Mm -hmm. We've been keeping you guys, you know, we've been telling you when to come and when to go this long. We might as well keep on doing it. Do you realize that power concedes nothing without a struggle? That's right. charge, you're going to have to take me out before I stop (laughs) pushing you down.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I'm not going to give up. So you're going to have to do something drastic to get rid of me. And what people not realizing even now with this president that we have in America, just allowing him to violate laws, to create laws that don't even exist and don't need to exist. And it's gonna continue on. It's very easy that once you've let a child uh, walk up one step, they're gonna go for two, right?
0: Mm-hmm. And they're gonna go
1: for three and four mm-hmm. because you have not stopped them in the beginning. So he's not going to stop pushing. This is a person who goes for as much possible as he can. And violating conscience will be an easy step for him because he already, as we can see, he enjoys. What were you saying? Oh, we're not doing God's will. If we just sit around and do nothing to preserve liberty of conscience, we have to be praying and then we have to work in harmony with our prayers. Uh, We cannot labor to please men who use their influence to repress religious liberty and to enact operation oppressive measures to lead or compel Sunday as the Sabbath. What can we do as citizens? Close the door. Change things in this world. Is there any way we can stop the oppression? How about have you heard the quote? The pen is mightier than the sword. Mm -hmm. What what exactly does that mean? The pen is mightier than the sword. Writing law. If just suppose that you and
0: I to
1: a a fight, so the sword is meaning uh, violence or or physical activity. So if we get into a fight and you hit me in the eye, well, that hurt, but if I go to court and, and sue you, you're gonna end up in jail a lot worse than getting hit in the eye, right? Mm-hmm. When you enact laws, they're much stronger than just a physical altercation. When you against supposed labor versus the workers, when the workers went against labor, the workers came out with sticks and stones the labor had lawyers and they enacted laws so that if you broke the law, you were going to prison or paying a big fine. We can use our legislative power to make changes. We can use our legislative power to enact laws. We can use our legislative power to take down laws that are unfair. It's our duty as Christians to stand up for what's right and not just sit back and allow things to happen. Uh, another way that we can change things is by voting. What's the state of voting in America now? What do you think of people voting in America now, the state of voting?
3: I think they're probably, I don't know the exact percentage, probably less than 40% probably (laughs) that actually take advantage of of voting and they try to discourage uh, people from voting by making it even harder instead of
1: easier. Do you think a lot of people vote? You said 40 Mm percent? No, I think a lot of people don't
3: vote because they think that they have been convinced that their vote doesn't count, that it's all rigged and it doesn't count. And whatever's going to happen is going to happen. But I think that we need to we need to do our civic duty. There are many people that have died just for the right to vote.
1: That's correct. Um, as far as people knowing that, are they teaching that in schools now? Are they teaching people what it took to get a vote? Are they nope. teaching our young people how many people died for the right to vote? Nope. No. So they they probably have no clue either. Another case of forgive them, for they know not what they do. So Mm -hmm. one has to educate people to get out and vote and let folks know how important their vote is. There have been many uh, elections that have just been won by a few votes, where if only people that were taking a uh, wait and see attitude or I'm not gonna vote because it's fake attitude, if they had got out and done their civic duty, there would be a different person in office. As Christians, when we see a person running for office and this person has exhibited uh, choices that are against God's will, that are going against the uh, commandments, et cetera, or, or harming people more than helping, it's our duty to make sure that person doesn't get in. Because if we vote for a person who's shown to be against God's word and against God's will, and they get in there and do more harm than good, then we're responsible for that. Mm -hmm. So if we see a person who has a track record of repressing religious liberty and we vote for that person to get in and then they again repress liberty, then that's partially our fault. Mm -hmm. We become partakers with them of the sins that they commit while in office. Right Mm -hmm. now, we should be doing our very best, our very best to defeat Sunday Law Mm -hmm. Passage. Mm -hmm. Why do you think it's going to happen? Has there been any proof that it's going to happen yet? No, God said it. Exactly. Yeah, God said it's going to happen, right? That's yeah. all the proof we need. Everything God prophesies comes true. So the United States will, in fact, pass a Sunday law. You can't really tell people, uh, a lot of patriots, so-called patriots, they don't want to believe it. Oh, no, everybody has freedom of religion. The country was founded on it. The truth is, America, the United States, will enact a Sunday law. Protestants will, in fact, join with Catholics. Mm -hmm. Now, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with Protestants joining Catholics?
3: Because Protestants, in this very name, they are protesting Catholicism. And so by virtue of them keeping Sunday or anything else, they they are giving credence to their authority.
1: (laughs) Isn't that amazing? The very word Protestant means protest. They were protesting against the Roman Catholic Church. And now, later when it happens, the Protestants will be joining hands with the Roman Catholic Church. And the Bible says that creates the image of the beast when Roman Catholicism had church and state power and was just trampling over the rights of all the people, religious rights especially, that image was destroyed in 1798 when the Pope was taken into custody, was gonna be reformed when America reaches across the Gulf to join hands with Roman Catholicism again. Don't wanna believe it, but that's very true what's gonna happen. Gonna revive when Rome gets that boost from America, they're just gonna go right back to tyranny, they're gonna go right back to oppression of conscience, they're gonna write back go right back to punishing the people of God and all those who who are trying to keep God's commandments. Yeah. So the thing that we have to remember is God's word is true. The U.S. will pass a Sunday law. And when we see these things happening, be very careful. Be very careful because be very careful because people are gonna try and persuade you that it's not true. They're gonna try to tell you that it's wrong. They're gonna tell you, try and tell you that this is what God wants. But whose word do we stand on?
3: God's word.
1: Always, we always stand on God's holy scripture word. Because we're going to hear a lot of different things in these days, lies, falsehoods, uh, fraud. And it's all, again, the devil's tricks to try and get us to believe uh, that God's word is done away with. And to believe that every man can do whatever he wants to do without regard for what God is asking us to do. Again, as Christians, our job is to be prayerful. Our job is to be prayerful that God will hold back the winds of strife. That he will give us opportunities to be out spreading the gospel message, letting people know that he's soon to come, and casting our civic civic right vote to put in office those who agree with God's word and keeping those out of God's out of office who disagree with God's word. So again, the prophecy will be fulfilled when the United States enforces Sunday observance, which Rome claims as special acknowledgment. Of her supremacy. Now, maybe we have some former Catholics that are online. If you, I'm sure that you've read the Catholic Catechism, if you are a, a Catholic member. In the Catechism, which I have read, it says, What day is the Sabbath? And it says in the Catholic Catechism, Saturday. It says, Saturday is the true Sabbath. But then the next question is, so why do people worship on Sunday? And the answer is because the Catholic Church, through its power, changed the sanctity from Saturday to Sunday. And by doing this, the very Protestants following it are showing the Catholic Church's power. So uh, go ahead if, if you have a comment on that, that the Catholic Church... And America's gonna run join hands. Good to see you there, Can Brother you Tory.
3: Yeah, I think the la- I think the last time that uh that they tried when they had this ecumenical movement, I think the last group that was holding out was the, Sur- the Southern Baptist. And but we have found out lately that now they have consented to join. So all the major religions have already made alliances with each other.
1: Mm. What's what's the name of that group called? The Southern Baptist.
3: They were the last Mm one.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be a lot more when the last days come. And uh, I think all of us as children of God need to be aware not be fooled by Satan's tricks. It sounds like a good thing, right? Let's all join hands together and sing Kumbaya. But this is merely creating another image to the beast because once Roman Catholicism gets that power, they're just going to start punishing and oppressing freedom of religion. That's just how human beings are. And remember, they're being led by Satan. That's how he is. Now, who's going to get the blame when calamities start filling the earth?
0: Those who don't comply with the law. What was that? Those who don't comply with the law.
1: Those those who don't comply with the Sunday law? Right. Okay.
3: And those those that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus.
1: What's what's that going to do to those who... uh, What are the people going to try to do to those people that are keeping God's Sabbath?
0: They're going to try to persecute them. They're going to try to uh, get them to conform.
1: Right? So the claim is going to be especially urged in America where the doctrine of the true Sabbath has been most widely preached. However, at this point in earth's history, the Sabbath gospel has been preached nearly around the whole world. So that it's not just gonna be an American problem. America is usually called the leader of the free world and also an example around the world. So if you see the leader doing something, what are you gonna do? Follow. Follow the leader, right? Mm -hmm. So if America starts oppressing Sabbath keepers, other countries will start oppressing Sabbath keepers also especially over in Europe and Rome, where uh, the papacy is headquartered at. And we have to, again, be, be aware that there's good people everywhere, but this, the, uh, it's the devil who's behind this power because he's the one who's uh, having a cosmic conflict against God. Any other thing that someone would like to share about the uh, image of the beast being created?
3: Well, we know now that uh, President Trump and McConnell—they are their most, <laughs> their most urgent thing that they're doing is is appointing all of these Supreme Court, these conservative Supreme Court uh, judges, and so we have, and so they're setting it up right now that uh, that all these laws are going to be enacted. You take it to the highest court. Mm-hmm. The highest court is gonna follow yeah. out what the Bible says.
1: That's amazing. That's a good point. And while we can't actually vote for a Supreme Court justices, they get appointed. We did vote for those people in office.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Appointed them. So again, it goes back to your vote really counts. Not only does it count with who gets in that particular office, but the people that they are allowed to appoint. So we have to uh, be very careful and recognize that our vote is very, very important. Now, when when uh, we're over on page one thirty, talks about Protestantism and Catholicism working together. So, if Protestants and Catholics come together, who do you think is going to be the leader? Catholics.
0: Protestants are going to change. Uh uh-uh. uh
1: You think Catholics are going to change? Oh, no. So I think
0: Protestants are going to change.
1: Exactly. Why do you think that?
0: Why think do you think
1: Protestants change. are going to change?
0: Because I think Catholics are going to be have the stronger, well, they have, they've proven that they've done it before in the past with keeping Sunday to start with.
1: Good point. Excellent point. Because Catholics are not going to change because they claim infallibility. Mm hmm. How can we change when we're right? <laughs> Why should we change? We're right. Y'all change, and the Protestants, having lost their backbone to be protesters, are just going to fall right in line. Protestants are going to change. The adoption of liberal ideas will bring it. Will join hands with Catholicism. Mm-hmm.
0: Karen I don't know what we have going on
1: repeating or something you must hit the rewind button okay we'll go ahead while y'all are fixing it So Romanism in the old world and apostate Protestantism in the new will pursue a similar course toward all who honor divine priests. Again, the infliction of civil penalties is what's going to happen. Uh, If you receive a fine, if they say, okay, you need to change, you need to change uh, and follow the Sunday law or we're going to fine you, You know, there will be some people who will accept the fine. You know, that's not such a big deal. But then when they raise the stakes and say, if you don't keep Sunday law and not worship on Sabbath on Saturday, we're going to put you in jail. You know, there'll be people who will go to jail, a lot of people. But when they say, if you don't do it, we're going to kill you.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Now, there's going to be more people thinking twice about that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So if we can recognize that there's going to be levels to uh forcing us towards obedience to the man instead of God, what should we be doing right now to prepare for that? We
0: should be obeying
1: God. Uh, speak we up. I said okay,
0: we should be obeying God.
1: We should be obeying God, right? Anyone else? What should we be doing now knowing that these things are coming?
3: We're going to have to really. Mm
1: -hmm. Okay, how do we do that? Okay, anyone else? What should we be doing now?
3: Developing that relationship when we think about the parable of the foolish and wise virgins. the foolish virgins did not have the extra oil. So during this tarrying time, we need to get the Holy Spirit and develop that trust and faith in God. And it's in the small day-to-day uh, things that we do where God puts us through these, these small tests that's gonna lead to the big test. So if you can't walk with the footman, how are you gonna run with the horseman?
1: Exactly. Preparing ourselves, study, prayer, worship, meditating on God. Uh, it's always <clears throat> that we are strengthening our faith. Even during this coronavirus epidemic, it's an opportunity for us to strengthen our faith. And trust that God is going to take care of us. It's an opportunity for, it, for us to say, yeah, maybe I wasn't able to get to the store, but I know God is watching over me and he'll give me what I need to have. Again, strengthening our faith. Can you all of a sudden have strength and faith if you have never exhibited it before?
0: No, that's hard to do. Um, all of a sudden, have faith and to obey God when you haven't been doing it. So I think that's really very important is to really start to, um, after prayer, sitting back, okay, thinking. And listening to God and then doing what He said.
1: Amen. Anyone else? Yeah. Let me ask you this question. Do you think I can bench press 400 pounds?
0: <laughs> hey, you,
1: wait a minute. Wait
3: a minute. You have <laughs> <conditioned>, <laughs> if you minute. Yourself <laughs> to build up to that.
1: <laughs> I'm not going to prejudge you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Not without practice, not without strengthening, not without exercise. Yes. The same way with our faith. We have to strengthen it. We have to practice using it. We have to exercise it. Tori, what did you say?
2: No, I just agree with everything being said. Praise the Lord that I'm able to get on with you guys. Hey, Amen. But it's funny, man, in the beginning, uh, when you guys started, uh, you was talking about the Sabbath and you know the things about uh, the commandments and the testimony of Jesus Christ. How those two identifying marks. It's funny how I was just teaching my boys that earlier this morning, you know, about why it's really important to to remember the Sabbath and to keep it holy. So uh, on the on the board at home, I broke it down to them. Uh, the prophetic mission why is truly important and why uh, we are called to remember. And man, I am just so thankful for the Holy Spirit now, just confirming everything that we're studying, discussing now uh, what we have uh, discussed earlier today with my own personal family. Praise the Lord! But I agree with everything that's been said,
1: amen. Praise the Lord. Think about when this country as we we're talking about founded on religious liberty that was the whole point you know the pilgrims were running away from england for religious purposes they we don't want to follow y'all's religion we're going to where we can have our own personal religion and this very country is going to take away people's religious liberty going to take away people's freedom going to crush the constitution under its feet When we see those things happen because they're making way for papal propaganda and falsehoods, then we know the time has come for the marvelous working of Satan and that the time of the end is near. And what people don't understand, Protestants are simply going to be following in the steps of the papacy. They're actually going to be opening the door for the papacy to regain the power and authority and supremacy, which she lost in the old world. I didn't hear. Someone had a comment on that. I believe what is really
2: um, scary, and as a warning message too, as we see Protestants, when Protestants join forces in agreeing to these terms to vote this law in office, you know, and they're seeing because they thinking that. They was already worshiping on Sunday and they was already keeping this. So they think it is a natural thing. And they believe that it is truly God that is allowing this to take place. Mm-hmm. And this is the thing where as is scary, because for those who haven't ever studied this thoroughly, as we uh, have studied, we'll join in and interact and, you know, we'll follow suit. But Mm -hmm. for us who knows the truth, and I believe this is why the time period is so crucial for the remnant church, because we have the opportunity to teach it and it's a fullness of measure of truth now. So when it does come, a lot more people will have already known. And by the evidence of what man is trying to do, they can be able to determine that man cannot make a day holy. It only takes a God himself. And that's who we follow, because those things, the evidence will be there uh, just in common sense thing, even for those who
1: never haven't really read it and entirely in the measure of truth. Amen. That's right. That's what we were saying earlier, is that there's a lot of people who just don't know the difference. But that's why we need to be out spreading the gospel message, like you're saying. Now, th- uh We're on page 132 in the last day events.
0: In the paper, hey Lee, page my,
3: my father-in-law in Indianapolis has a question. Go ahead
0: uh-huh. Yes, sir. How are you doing? Happy Sabbath.
1: Happy Sabbath.
3: Okay, I have a question about what is the council in the spirit of prophecy whether we should vote for individuals or whether
1: we should vote for issues like the Sunday laws itself? Okay, we we kind of just hit on that a little bit. It's it's our duty if we see that people are, and the only way you can know is by paying attention to these legislators or politicians who are running and see what their track record is being, see what their uh, what words they're speaking as to what they're planning to do and ask God to lead you in the right way to vote because it is our duty. If we see a person who is going against God's word to vote against that person. If we see a person who's going with God's word to vote for that person, uh, we have to be very careful that we don't get to fall into the trap of thinking that we should not vote. We should vote, but our vote should be very Prayerfully and thoughtfully done, very prayerfully and thoughtfully done, because we don't have wisdom as to what a person, what's in a person's heart, but God does, and He can lead us to make the right choices.
0: And we are too, and we are also, uh, we're supposed to also, if we know that uh, we know that they're going to change the Sunday law or try to institute the Sunday law, but we're supposed to advocate against. The Sunday law, we're supposed to actively, advocate and do that. so we're supposed to be actively trying to prevent that
1: from happening. Did everyone hear that? Repeat it. Oh, oh. Uh, she was saying that we are called to actively uh, protest and vote and, and work against the Sunday law being enacted mm-hmm. so that we can have more time to witness and lead others to a right relationship with Christ. Mm -hmm. It goes into it a little bit more here. Uh, Page 132 says National Sunday Law means national apostasy. A National Sunday Law means national apostasy. Has gone against God is what happens when a nation votes for a Sunday law. The nation is going against God. Says uh, to uh, think of think of somebody that fits this this description do you know anyone who to secure popularity and patronage legislators will yield to the demand for a Sunday law to secure popularity and patronage legislators yield to a demand for a Sunday law do you know of any legislators who seem to bend to the will of the people just to keep their job and to keep favor
0: that's most of them yeah <laughs> Uh, speak up I said that's everybody in the White House now.
1: <laughs> maybe everybody in the White House fits that description.
0: What'd you say? This is you. You can talk.
1: You. That's true. I've noticed a lot of politicians. You can you they know the vote is wrong but they don't want to lose their job. So they'll vote for whatever it is or they want to keep their seat so instead of doing what's right they do what's popular.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, the Bible
0: Mhm. Mhm. but that is how we know who mm-hmm. that is how we know who how the Bible says about us you shall know them. So if we look at people's history and what they've done, um, their act, their behavior, you know, if they have 200 people suing them when they come into the office, if they have women saying that they, if they think that they can touch women, you know, we know that the, who they are and if they are lying and having been bad times because they cannot keep their promises to you know, their, their uh, family, then. You know we see this, and we cannot say they're going to do us treat us better than they treated everybody else. We know people by their truth. That's according to the Bible. So look hmm. at what they say. You can't look say. You have to look at what you've done already.
1: Okay, so actions speak louder than words. Anyone else said a comment on
2: that? I want to make one comment if I may, real fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul, your father-in-law, his question was, what, what is the counsels from the Spirit of Prophecy regarding to voting those men in office? He can uh, read on page 127 at the bottom and 128, and then the Spirit of God will give him the right antidote through the message and the message from our from the Spirit of Prophecy. But like uh, Elder Carol was saying, that we really have to be prayed. And I believe the prayer should be, God, give me the spirit of discernment so I can make a wise choice in voting if that's what you want me to do. Whereas my vote would be stayed away from uh, participating in setting up the evil of the world. Amen.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Think about this, too. This National Sunday Law means national apostasy. When that happens, then it's going to lead to ruin of the entire nation. And do you remember when the Roman armies were approaching Jerusalem and Jesus said, when you see the Roman armies surround the city, that's a sign for you to get out of the city. Mm -hmm. This is the same thing for us. When we see this National Sunday Law being passed, then that's a sign for us that we need to be looking to move out also. It's a sign that the end is soon to come, and we don't want to be around when it happens. National apostasy is going to be followed by national ruin. National ruin. Look over on uh, 134, page 134, third paragraph. It's very interesting because, again, the Protestant churches were, are only created to protest against the Roman Catholic religion. They're going to join forces together. So when Protestant churches unite with secular power to sustain a false religion, for opposed for opposing which their ancestors endured the fiercest persecution, then will the papal Sabbath be enforced by combined authority of church and state, and there will be a national apostasy which will only end in national ruin. Is this church, is this nation founded on separation of church and state? Yes.
3: Yes. What exactly does that mean? So Congress should make no laws dictating uh, pertaining to religion, that man can worship God under the dictates of his own heart. And so just as uh, Lakita was saying, we, we had a presidential candidate and the person of Pete Buttigieg was openly gay. So there are two institutions that Satan hates and that's marriage and the Sabbath. And we see Satan is attacking both of those institutions.
1: Mm-hmm. Excellent. Paul went congressional on it. <laughs> yeah. Church and state, Karen, what's your legal opinion? What is church separation of church and state mean? Mm -hmm. And when when the state uses its power to enforce decrees and sustain institutions of the church, that's when Protestant America will have formed the image to the papacy. And after that, it's just going to end in national ruin for the entire country. And we ought to be aware when that happens, that Lord is telling us, this is the sign of the end of time. This is the sign. National Sunday Law is enforced. That's going to be when people can actually start getting the mark of the beast. Right now, you don't get the mark of the beast until Sunday law is officially passed and being enforced. That's right. That's very right. We're going to be the scapegoat. Remembering the Levitical sacrificial system, the scapegoat, all the blame <laughs> went onto their head. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be the scapegoat for the world, all around the world. The people in every country on the globe are going to follow America's example, because again, we're the leader of the free world. Everybody's looking at us. Hey, if America does it, it must be right. Now I had a question, uh, Lakita. Did you have a question? Uh, I have a question. What do you think is going to happen to the millions of Muslims in the world?
0: Mm. (laughs) Anybody, we're talking about
1: Protestants joining with Catholics. And then with Muslims, those are the largest religions. Protestant, Catholic, Muslim. What's going to happen to the Muslims? Where are they at in all this? Well the Sabbath, the Jewish people observe Sabbath still? Go ahead. Well,
2: when we look at what is going to be established, remember there is going to be a loss of mergers and that's gonna also come about in the spiritual realm and we know that when this take place is going to be mandated, you know, where it's going to talk about a new world order. Okay. Mm -hmm. So in the new world order, when, when they start evaluating, you know, when, uh, the spiritual or religious aspect, you know, when we look at prophecy, and we look at the Bible, we look at the spirit of prophecy, and your question will the Muslims join with Protestants? Is that going to be uh, their, 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 their few, or is they going to uh, join in or stay to themselves? I believe that you you only going to have uh, two groups of people, or mm-hmm. uh, two groups. That's going to have just a religion. And I don't think it's going to be within name at that point in time. It's just going to be uh, to do with belief and also to do with uh, you know, compromising whether they want to buy nor sell, or have this comfortable way of living.
1: Interesting point. That leads us over to page 137. As you had mentioned, Tori, uh, 137 in paperback is all Christendom will be divided into two great classes. Commandments of God and faith of Jesus. That's one group, keep the commandments of God and faith of Jesus. The other group is those who worship the beast in his image and receive his mark. So wherever the Muslims go, like you mentioned, is gonna be in one of those two camps. Either gonna keep God's commandments or not keep them and be part of the enemy's camps. Uh, There is no way we know in detail But the Lord has said there's only going to be two sides. There's always only been two sides in the cosmic conflict. You're either on God's side or you're on Satan's side. Uh, Look at, uh, this is very interesting. On 138, it's on the subtitle, Show No Defiance. So, excuse me, those who compose our churches have traits of character that will lead them, if they're not careful, to feel indignant because of misrepresentation of their liberty in regard to working on Sunday is taken away. So when they take away our rights to work on Sunday, it says don't get all upset about it, but take everything in prayer to God. He alone can restrain the power of rulers. This advice is of real value to those who are to be brought into straight places. Nothing that shows defiance or that could be interpreted as maliciousness must be shown. Why do you think that? It sounds like we're being told not to do anything. Any comment on that when they tell you that you can't work on Sunday? Yeah. Angry and fight?
0: Go ahead. And the
2: prophet always.
1: Okay, Tori
2: Well uh, I am in an um, agreement with Karen. You know we are instructed that because you stop working on Sunday doesn't mean that you receive the mark of the beast. It, that doesn't have anything to do with your spiritual beliefs. Uh-huh what God is saying, what she's saying is, use it to your advantage to do work for the Lord, and so real truth can be exposed and out there, you know, so it's not saying that because uh, you choose not to work on Sunday, that you're compromising your spiritual beliefs, it's not saying that, she's saying that take advantage of that time and then continue to do the work where the Holy Spirit will allow you and to show you what to do.
1: Excellent points. Yeah. When we're told to uh, cease work on Sunday, that's fine. Most of us are looking for a break anyway, (laughs) but that does, as you said, that doesn't mean that you're accepting the mark of the beast at all. It has nothing to do with that. In fact, it's another opportunity for us to do missionary work, like Karen was saying. And whenever possible, you can still have religious service on Sunday. The thing is, you do not want to accept Sunday as God's holy day. Remember, Sabbath day is the holy day. So as long as you're remembering the Sabbath day is God's holy day and you're keeping that holy, knowing who the true creator of heaven and earth is, the rest doesn't really matter. That doesn't mean that you accept the mark of the beast, because you cease from work on Saturday, on Sunday. Rather, God has permitted the Sunday question to be pushed to the front, so that the Sabbath of the fourth commandment can be presented to other people. There are a lot of people who still haven't heard about the Sabbath, who still don't understand it, who still, if they heard it, would keep it. And that's why we're still called to ask God for more time to get the message out, to reach people and let them know. Now, when the going gets tough. Sometimes the tough get going, right? Yes.
2: Yeah. Well, they <laughs> a take you know, off right.
1: running. That means the tough start doing what they need to do to get done. So when the Sabbath question comes up, don't shy away. We can't shy away from the opportunity to let somebody know the reason for our faith. If someone says, hey, you know, they told us to stop working on Sunday and, and to keep uh, to keep Sunday as the day of worship, what are you going to do? That's your opportunity to say, this is my By the word of God. This is why I believe it. And they might say to you, wow, I never heard that before. Where'd you hear that? Opportunity. These are all opportunities for us to share the word of God to someone who still sits in the shadow of darkness. So when the things start happening, not the time to take off running, but it's time to open our mouths and let somebody know the true word of God. I have Mercy. a question. I have a question. I have a question. Okay. I thought Percy had so. Yeah. I was going to say
2: something um, in reference to that being taken that Sunday. I, but you actually said what I was going to say. That's an opportunity for us to actually stand up and pronounce true Sabbath worship and what that means. It's a better opportunity for us to let people know that this is why we're here. And uh, the realization
1: is, is this is all a result of what was coming. Exactly. Good points. One thing we have to keep in mind is we ought to obey who? The Lord. God rather than man. That's exactly <laughs> right. So no matter what happens, we'll be called to do a lot of things. And as long as it does not conflict with the word of God, sure, do it. Keep yourself out of jail. Keep from getting uh, shot or fined or whatever. But when it conflicts <laughs> with God's word, that's when we have to make a decision to stand for what's right and not just for what's convenient. There's many Christians who love uh, a religion of convenience. And Paul, he gave a beautiful sermon a while back that Christianity is not a religion of convenience. It's inconvenient. Sometimes you're being asked to do things you don't want to do. You are busy doing something. What you asking me to help you do this for? Why are you calling me now to visit the sick and shut in? I'm busy. It's an inconvenient religion. So when the times get tough and we're being persecuted, it's going to be very inconvenient to still be a Christian. It's going to be very inconvenient to say, I don't care what uh, the mayor says or the uh, 45 or whoever's in office at the to- that time. I'm going to follow God's word. I'm doing what thus saith the Lord. What did Joshua say? In my household, we're going to serve the Lord. And we don't have to have that in us that we're going to obey God. When, our, when the claims of the government or the church and state religion conflict with the claims of God, we have to choose to obey God rather than men. The last sentence in chapter nine, it says, Satan offers to men the kingdoms of the world if they will yield to him the supremacy. And many do this and sacrifice heaven. Says it is better to die than to sin. It's better to want than to defraud, and it's better to hunger than to lie. God's calling us to be upright citizens of his kingdom, doing that which is right, keeping the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus in spite of whatever may happen in this world. Just this little coronavirus pandemic is like a little warm-up because we have to strengthen our faith during this time, right? Just what's going to come in the future, We're going to need the ability to bench press that 400 pounds. (laughs) We better start working out now, folks. We better start hitting the gym, the spiritual gym, and getting prepared for what's to come. Uh, It's not going to be easy, but God has promised that he'll never leave us nor Mm -hmm. forsake us. And he says, lo, I'm with you even until the end. So uh, thanks to everyone's participation. Was there any final comments about Sunday Laws? Okay, if not, uh, next week, Sister Karen's back. What chapter are we on, Karen? Okay, it's 62 in volume one. And then the week after her, we'll be doing the little time of trouble before probation closes. I think we're getting close to that time if we're not already in it. Little time of trouble before the big time of trouble. So we have to stay prayerful. Stay in the word and stay close to God. All right, can we uh, close out with the word of prayer? Brother Tori? would you offer a closing prayer for us? Yes, please. Let us pray. Thank you, God, for this
2: moment in time where we can connect with the Holy Spirit and be refreshed and be revived. And we ask, Lord, continue, Lord, allow us to be redeemed. We praise your name for what you have done and what the warning signs are and the signs of your second coming. We ask you to help us continue to to stay closely knitted uh, with your love. Thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you for allowing mercy to follow us today. And thank you for all the instructors today, Lord, and the participants today, Lord, that you have used to increase our faith and our belief in your word. So continue to be with us now in these sacred hours. That's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. I had a quick question for uh, Karen or Paul, whoever. Do we have a list of... uh, Emails or phone numbers of the members that we could call? Because I know a lot of members aren't tuning in to the service or anything. Maybe if we give them a call that will help.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know Sister uh, Sister Phipps uh, has all the has the list of, of the uh, all the members. Oh, okay. And the phone numbers.
1: You think maybe we can split them up and call some folks?
3: Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. We've been doing that some, but we could always
0: uh, organize,
3: it. organize it even better to get more people involved.
1: Yeah, because I just feel like a lot of people are missing some really good messages during the service, as well as just keeping in touch, uh, out of sight, out of mind kind of thing. So I think it might help if we just give them a call. And... Mm hmm. How many numbers do you have on your list, Karen? About how many numbers? Oh, good. That's a good. One. That's a great number of people. Okay. Anything I can do to help? Let me know, cause I just didn't feel like people are sitting and missing this uh, time where.